Hi there. I'm Candace Aragon, and I'm with the PSA Security Network. I'm extremely excited to introduce the PSA Pod. It's our new podcast where we're going to cover news in the industry, talk with thought leaders, uh, meet with our vendors and talk about technology that's coming out, and really kind of holistically cover news that's happening in the security and AV industries. At PSA, we are in a really unique position in our industry. We get to see a lot of the latest technology that's coming out. We understand the challenges of the integrators that they're facing. Uh, we know the associations and we partner with them. And so we really have a holistic look at the industry. We want to share the knowledge and insights that we get on a daily basis here at the PSA Network uh, with everybody else. So that was kind of the basis for starting the PSA pod, and we hope that you enjoy it and get a lot of value out of it. We also hope that if you have ideas for guests that, you know, maybe are within your organization or a tastemaker in the industry that you think could provide a really interesting interview, we would love for you to send those suggestions our way as we will be continuously looking for guests for our show. For the first episode of the PSA pod, we sat down with our CEO, Bill Bozeman. Bill has been in the industry for many years and has such valuable insight, not only on PSA, but on the industry as a whole. Bill has also announced this year that he will be retiring. So we wanted to make sure that we captured that kind of the history of PSA with Bill and took some time to sit down with him. I hope that we get to sit down with him again this year before he retires so that we can kind of capture any lasting thoughts from Bill because his insights are so valuable. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode and please share your feedback with us on our social media channels and we look forward to hearing from you. Are you recording? Yes. We're ready to go? Wonderful. Thank you so much for being our first guest, Bill. It would be a crime to have anybody other than you be the first person on the PSA pod. So well, I'm really not sure it would be a crime. <laughs> Possibly inappropriate, but not a crime. <laughs> we have to have you. Your, your <laughs> okay. insight is so valuable. Right, thank you. So we wanted to start out and give background. I'm excited to hear it um, about PSA and just the history of PSA and kind of where it all began. Well, I'll keep this brief. Uh, I guess officially I'm the historian these days, been around the longest um, I guess uh, 20 years almost as an employee and prior to that 12 years um, as a systems integrator that utilized PSA services. So uh, I guess if you do the math, that's a long time, but not as long as PSA really. So uh, I believe it's next May, we will celebrate our 50th year in existence. So that's a heck of a long time. Yeah. So over those 50 years, we've been in Denver, Colorado for 49. But what most people don't know is the company was originally incorporated and founded uh, in New Jersey. So um, the Marcus family, uh, our first chairman of the board, uh, Paul Marcus, who the award's named after, um, he moved the company to Denver, Colorado some 49 years ago. So it's been, uh, uh, ever since then, doing quite well. We, uh, like all companies, we've, we've had our blips here and there, but uh, this last uh, 15, 20 years has been every year, increased productivity, increased sales, uh, increased services. So we're, we're very pleased with, um, with where we are right now. What drove the Marcus family to want to even found an organization like PSA? I believe originally PSA, and this is even before my time, but the story goes from Mr. Marcus, the original PSA 
was a franchise. So you actually purchased a franchise. And Mr. Marcus um, was not actually the not actually the person who organized the, the, the franchise. It was another gentleman. Well, actually, all the founders of PSA, Candace, have passed away with the exception of, of one gentleman. Um, but it was originally a franchise that was advertised in the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> and he purchased a franchise. And, uh, of course, it's no longer a franchise, but um, that was the origin. Interesting. Now, over the years of your time here at PSA, um, what have been you know, some of the big trends that you've seen or really um, the big game changers, I guess, in the industry? Yeah, I think because what, what holds true for PSA holds true for the industry in general. I mean, people tell me that we are the best barometer of how things are going on. You know, with 160 vendor partners and 270 integration partners, that's an awful lot of information we process and that we receive on a daily basis. So we really know what's going on uh, de facto, really. We just get so much information. But there's always super big things that happen. I've seen three or four in my lengthy career. Um, I think the original big game changer that I saw was, good gosh, uh, over 30 years ago, and that was going from the tape dialer to digital. So that, that completely changed the alarm industry, which, of course, is a large uh, part of the electronic security industry. Even though that's not PSA specialty, it still exists, and most of us have an alarm system. So that was huge. Um, after that, maybe 15, 20 years after that, uh, going from the old RG59 cables to category cables. So going from analog to digital, that was huge. And some of our integrators struggled with that. Um, and we accurately uh, predicted that uh, they really had no choice. They had to embrace, had to embrace that change. So um, that was really big. And of course, now what's going on um, is change accelerates and we have the cybersecurity issues, we have um, you know, the, I, I predict there's going to be changes with the uh, how, how security products are purchased, you know, uh, CapEx versus OpEx. Uh, the new generation, I think, is going to be less inclined to purchase very expensive boxes that they hang on the wall and, um, and, and purchase something that potentially could be obsolete in two, three, four years as fast as technology moves. So that's the latest, uh, I'm going to say, opportunity. I think it's going to be a great opportunity for 80% of our integrators in the market. And 20% it will put out of business because they just won't be able to handle that, that level of change. So let's hope that it's 100% of the PSA family, but certainly some people will struggle with these changes. Uh, it's a very big change. Going from a contractor model to managed services, it is a huge change. And I really appreciate that and understand what, um, you know, what the integrators um, have to go through to make that change. Absolutely. Obviously, managed services is probably going to be one of the biggest trends of 2020 in helping integrators make that change and start transitioning those portions of their business. What other trends do you see um, that are going to emerge or just ones that are already kind of rolling that we're going to see really affect the security industry in 2020? Well, I'll, I'll start with technology, even though I'm not a technologist, I have enough knowledge to know what's going to impact our niche and, and the industry in general. And I hate to use cliches, but I don't know what other, uh, you know, I don't know what else to do but use the, the, the AI cliche. And that is going to have, that along with 5G, will have significant changes for our manufacturers, 
for the business professionals that support our industry, for our systems integrators, and most important, for the people who actually use the services and products on a day-to-day -day basis. So there's, I don't think there's even any debate on that. That's just going to be. Um, it's a matter of when, not if, and I think it's going to happen fairly rapidly. So that is huge. On the less related to technology and more related to, say, sociology, right? It's just scary out there. Um, you know, I was having this conversation um, with um, a C-level executive, uh, one of our providers, and we were discussing how scary things are with the mass shootings. Um, in my hometown this weekend of New Orleans, we had three gunfights out in the streets like the Old West. But, you know, I, I do believe that there's, ever since guns, there's been gunfights. Right. I believe that the media uh, is available instantaneously to cover. All, all three of those gunfights were recorded by, on someone's cell phone. Uh, that's new. That's different than broadcast out to the world. That's new, and that's relatively new and, and very different. So I think there's always been crime problems. There's always been violence. Um, and uh, we still have that. But now it's projected in everyone's face seven days a week, 24 hours a day on various different um, social media and media you know, platforms. So security is a really big deal. And although you didn't ask this question, I will say in my 39 years in the space, the biggest change, without a doubt, um, is the impact that security in general has on our society and our businesses. When I started in 1979, I remember very clearly thinking that, gosh, you've chosen an industry that's not all that important. Um, people aren't dying to see you and hear what it is you have to offer. Um, I, I use this as a, this is not an analogy or a story, this is the truth. I can remember um, at the time we were focusing on high-rise buildings in the oil field, and I can remember in the buildings in particular, the architect saying, I don't want those ugly devices in my right. building. And I also can remember losing a, a very large project because they messed up on the furniture and they decided to go with the furniture in lieu of our video surveillance and access control system, which by the way at the time was tube cameras. And they were big and ugly, I have to admit. So we've, <laughs> we've actually improved on that. They're not nearly as ugly as they used to be. But, I mean, think about that now. Higher ed, elementary school, healthcare, hospital, an office building, a utility. Think about a project that's going on where no one discusses security. I would say that people would buy the security first. If they run out of money, there'd be no furniture. That's how important it is. It's incredibly important. So a term that I coined that I still like to use is, you know, our industry, the security industry in general, has really gone from the uh, outhouse to the penthouse. <laughs> and the C-level executives that run businesses in our country, the boards of directors, they are plugged in to security. And they had better be. Right. Because if they're not, and they're not aware of this, and they don't consider it to be an important challenge, then they really shouldn't be sitting on that board at all because the world has passed them by. That's how important security is now. Absolutely. Certainly the security industry is not going anywhere. If you were starting your career off in 2020, would you you know, move back into this industry again? Yes, I would. It's been very good um, to me. I have really enjoyed it. 
it's been fascinating to watch it grow. Um, I would probably start, um, frankly, with um, I would start as a systems integrator. That's my area of expertise. And I probably would start with cloud-based services from the ground up. Now, that's easy for me to say because your question was if you were to start over right. or if you were to. Um, I, I do have an incredible amount of respect for all the legacy systems that are out there. And I know that the, the managed services business model and the cloud-based systems eventually eventually will dominate the industry. But it isn't going to be next week or next month or even next year. It'll take time. And the legacy in-house on-premise systems will continue for some time now. But, yeah, go back and answer your question specifically. The answer is yes. And I believe in that so much that, uh, that I tried to convince my daughter, uh, who's a businesswoman, to, to take that avenue. But... Um, she said she watched me work too hard. She doesn't want that, uh, <laughs> that, that lifestyle. So maybe that was a good decision. What advice, you know, you, obviously you've been in an integrator shoes through, you've talked about the changes that the industry has seen, and you've been an integrator through some of those. And uh, what advice would you give those integrators who are struggling to adapt with the cybersecurity threats or adapting to manage services? Well, don't get discouraged. First of all, accept the reality. Right. Don't, don't put on blindfolders. It's something that you're going to have to deal with. Don't get discouraged. The, the good news is, and I think this is very good news, is this isn't something that's going to happen, like I said, in the next six weeks or even in the next year. It is gradually happening on a daily basis. So if, if, if your business is 100% enterprise and it's all on-premise and you don't have a recurring revenue base, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Set yourself a goal. Maybe the first year, 10% of your overall revenue. The second year, 20% of your overall revenue. The third year, and just step it up. So you don't have to throw a switch. Um, as a matter of fact, throwing a switch would, would be the worst thing you could possibly do uh, because you do have to cash flow these models. And for a while, um, the, the traditional, um, I don't want to say old-fashioned, but the traditional enterprise business will have to subsidize the entrance of a company into the managed services business realm. Um, so, um, you know, one of the key challenges is finding financing for the SIs who would like to go into this business. Right. And um, so that's that will slow things up as well. But um, I don't think there's any need to panic. Once again, to reiterate, number one, accept the fact that changes are coming, whether you like them or not. Number two, put forth a plan with your management team to gradually adapt and get into the space. And every month, that revenue continues to build. And it's about as predictable as you can get in our space. And what we have learned from studying is that the attrition rate on SI managed services is extraordinarily low, which is a very, very good thing. Right. That equates to predictable cash flow. And you just can't beat that in a business model. Right. It would seem that over time, your banker would actually probably like a managed services model because they're seeing that recurring revenue on the books. Are you seeing that that is the case, or it it's really is just a struggle from the the outset to to convince someone and help finance that? Yeah, I think anybody that's in finance certainly can appreciate a predictable cash flow versus an, an unpredictable cash right. flow. So absolutely. Now there are some banks that are more attuned to it than others. There's some banks that loan specifically to SaaS model businesses. Right. So, uh, and there are others that, but I think all of them certainly understand that, you know, if you have that, it's, it's a tremendous, it's a tremendous benefit. So, yeah. 
Wonderful. Well, I'm going to shift gears a little bit and ask about PSA Tech. We're going to be having it in April of 2020, this coming year here in Denver, Colorado. Uh, tell me a little bit about the history of tech. Do you know when, when tech began and kind of what the purpose of, of having tech was? Well, tech, from what I understand, uh, tech, because uh, I only have, what, 35, 35 years with PSA or a little bit more considering the whole term. Uh, that started from day one. So this will probably be our 50th tech. Now, it's only been called tech maybe for 10, 12 years. Okay. Uh, we had different names for it over the years. Originally started off, originally PSA started off as training only. So uh, the training is still a core competency of ours. Uh, we're, I hate to brag, but we're very good at it. And that's because we focus on that. We know how important it is. Our objective is not to make a lot of money on training, not to make any. It's to educate as best as we possibly can and certify as best as we possibly can. So, and that's worked out well for us. So, I mean, the biggest problem with tech, as you know, the biggest problem with tech is uh, venues. I mean, if we, we continue to outgrow the venues. So our objective is not to, to grow tech into a giant trade show. That, that isn't our objective at all. So right now we're over 1,000 attendees, maybe 1,100, 1,200. That's about all we can handle in our current venue. So decisions haven't been made yet as to do we take it to the next level. Um, we want to be able to service all of our integrators and all of our vendor community and the professionals that support us. But beyond that, um, we really have to discuss what the value is to try and make it larger. I, I'm going to have to be convinced that that needs to be one of our goals. And I think that, you know, we're positioned beautifully for the SI specifically. Right. We're also um, doing, I think, for the first time since we acquired USAV, our pro-AV company, really integrating uh, pro-AV into PSA Tech. So those industries are also consolidating slowly, but they are consolidating. What's interesting when we did our due diligence is the differences between a security integrator and a pro-AV integrator as far as operations is concerned is very, very, they, they are very, very similar. Interesting. Very similar. They have the same skill sets basically technically. Uh, they would argue, each discipline would say I'm smarter than the other. Right. <laughs> but hey, I'm neutral. They're not. Uh, they're very equal. Um, the business model is equal. What's different is one's a projector and a screen. The other is, you know, video surveillance and a card reader. Other than that, their businesses are very similar. So we're bringing these together. Is that what initially drove your interest in USAV in general, was just seeing this convergence or how similar they are? Well, um, probably the politically correct answer would be yes, but that would not be really honest. So the reason that we acquired USAV is uh, we needed to build out additional infrastructure at PSA. The board of directors, who by the way is elected by the shareholders of the company, we have 170 equity partners. The board of directors uh, questioned me several years ago about the uh, large cost of infrastructure build out. And um, one of the directors accurately said he felt that we had underutilized infrastructure that we were spending many hundreds of thousands of dollars on. So I, I, I set forth an effort to determine how can we better use a lot, utilize the infrastructure we had. We, you know, the, we have pretty much most of the best SIs in the United States and Canada. Right. So what could we do? And uh, Pro-AV fit our model the closest. And so 
that is why we felt that that would be a good place for us to expand. It made good sense because we had people such as yourself in marketing, in finance, in sales, you know, in operations and service. We had this team of people who were very, very good that frankly were being a bit underutilized. So that is why we expanded into that discipline because it was as close as possible, uh, the two disciplines. Right. One thing in, in the time that I've been able to work with you so far that I really appreciate is how willing you are to take a risk and try something new and change things when they need to be changed. I know change can be really hard for people, but that's something that you really embrace. So I know because I'm inside it that PSA has some exciting new things happening in 2020, but uh, what are you most excited about for this organization this coming year? Oh, and by the way, uh, some of my ideas, uh, and I'll apologize to the, the, the 170 shareholders, some of my ideas, by the way, were flops, <laughs> so they did not all work. We, one, of, one of our old chairmen, I won't mention his name, but he said, you throw a lot of stuff on the wall, Bill, and only some of it sticks. And, and that's, that's true to a point, but I will say this, the stuff that sticks more than makes up for the stuff that falls to the ground. Right. So you're right, and, I, um, and part of that, possibly Candace could be a character flaw I just get bored easily and when things start going right and become I probably would not be a great day-to-day -day operator when things start going really well and start running on their own or running with great team members doing it right who do it better than me then I'm looking for something new and exciting um, to do so as long as financially the we have you know more wins than we have losses uh, you know it's like some of these uh, private equity guys or VC guys, right? Invest in 10 companies, if two make it, if one makes it, then you're a winner. But um, right. that's not quite our philosophy. The board right. did not want to hear that. <laughs> but some of my ideas uh, did not materialize or did materialize and, and, and didn't make it. But to go back to your question, um, same thing. We have got to get squared away um, with our managed services program so we can support our integrators so they stay financially stable, um, so we stay financially stable. Uh, so that's that is a big thing for 2020 and we're we right now we have approximately 20 percent of our integrators have signed up and agreed to go in that direction which is ex real exciting for us right and we've already won a couple of nice projects in that space including cybersecurity space that's wonderful great well i really appreciate you sitting down today with us and i look forward to the year ahead and thank you great thank you candace We hope you enjoyed the first episode of the PSA pod. We have some exciting guests coming up, such as Chris Peterson from the Vector Firm, Brad Malone from Navigate Consulting, Jillian Chamberlain, who's a digital marketing strategist, a lot of really exciting guests and opportunities. Like I said before, if you can think of anybody that you think would add some great value to the PSA pod, we would love to hear about your submission ideas as well. Thanks again for listening.